welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast, an old favorite, a little Harmony, because Harmony is going to be a big part of our show today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the Harmony in your life, my friend, my partner, my podcasting pal, Andy. Say hello to the people. What's up, buddy? How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast. We are the Album Nerds. And today, yes, we are going to harmonize a bit for you. We're doing uh, an artist spotlight show for you on a, an artist that was uh, near and dear to a uh, close family member, the Bee Gees. So we're going to be talking about a couple albums from their career that we think nicely illustrate some different uh, phases they went through as, as they were uh, coming up in the music industry. But do you want to give a little background on why specifically we're doing this show, man? Absolutely. Dude here. So the Bee Gees. You mentioned the Bee Gees and people think disco. Big, you know, white suits with large collars and bell bottoms. They're missing out. And I had kind of forgotten that myself, but uh, recently lost a member of the family who was a huge Bee Gees fan. She listened to them all the time. She said whenever she was feeling down, she'd just put on the Bee Gees and she'd feel better. Loved every song. I'd walk into her house and a uh, song would be on, maybe something a little more obscure. Hey, do you know who this is? I'm like, no. The Bee Gees, can you believe it? They sound so different on this one. She loved them, loved them, loved them, <laughs> loved them. And I've thought before about talking about the Bee Gees on the, on the show, but I knew it'd be a hard sell with you, Andy. But since, uh, since we lost her, I thought it might be nice to tr- give her a little tribute in a, the small way that I can by talking about her favorite her favorite group. I guess we should just kind of, you know, what do you want to do? You want to just jump in here? <laughs> well, I think I would say that I kind of had the same connotation that I imagine most people have with the Bee Gees is that they are disco incarnate. You know, they kind of are that sound of the, of the 70s, that sort of cheesy dance music that was popular for, so popular for a few years there. But as you alluded to, there's a lot more to their career there. They kind of came coming up in the 60s and they put out some really interesting music then. So we're going to touch on kind of both sides of their career, the disco, as well as the more pop sound that they were going for. And just, you know, kind of be open to uh, maybe learn some new things. That was definitely the case for me i didn't know a lot about their earlier career and it was uh, pleasantly surprised so that's part of the fun of the show is you kind of um we can dig into some of the more obscure and maybe not as uh, well-known aspects of these uh artists and, and some of their records it's the bgs they were formed in australia they were three brothers and their names are maurice robin and barry yeah they were huge but they they formed in 1958 all through the 60s made 60s style rock and roll psychedelic rock and roll harmonies Many, many records in the 60s. How many? They recorded, dude, so many records. But I think we just have a couple of recommendations. And I know you went back through a lot of the catalog, and so did I. But we have a couple of recommendations we're going to make for albums that kind of define their different sounds and give a little credit to these guys who I don't think get enough. All right, so why don't we start with you since you you got a record that was a little further back in their career, pre-disco, and uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so like you were saying earlier, they put out a bunch of records in Australia at the beginning of their career, which weren't 
received much outside of that continent. Then in 1967, they put out their third studio record entitled Bee Gees First. It was their first international release. And it was kind of the record that put them on the map um, in England and a little bit in the U.S. as well. So they put out, the sound is completely different. It's more of this uplifting psychedelic pop sound, which to me was very akin to what the Beatles were doing at the time. And actually were compared to them uh, a few songs in particular were at one point even thought to be the Beatles. Uh, there was a rumor going yeah. around <laughs> that the, the Bee Gees were actually a synonym for the Beatles um, and actually stood for the Beatles group. Not true at all. It's just a rumor, but you can see why. Let me, let me play one of these first songs here for you. The sound, it can be very similar. So while we start out, we'll just play one of these tracks that you may or may not heard. Track six off of the Bee Gees first. Um, Every Christian Lionhearted Man Will Show You. One of the more psychedelic tracks on the on the record. It's a little bit bizarre. There's like this kind of chanting um, monk intro and kind of a, a bridge in the middle of the song. It definitely stands out. Kind of a moody blues sort of sound. Have you heard? Have you heard the song uh, off this record before? Outside of this record? Yeah, I mean, I'd only heard one song from this record previously. The only single that I really know is. Um, to love somebody is that is that right. on this? Yep, yep. That was the big single, along with uh, "Holiday." It was also fairly uh, well received. This is a good record. This is a good record, and yes, it does kind of sound like the Beatles, but what didn't back then? I feel like, in some ways, lyrically, I don't know. I, I almost prefer it. <laughs> you could say it, say it, man. I thought I thought myself thinking the same thing. Listen through, it's like, wow, I kind of prefer this to some of the Beatles stuff at the time. It's a little bit more abstract, a little bit more, um, maybe, I don't want to say Beatles weren't creative, but there's a little bit more interesting in song structures going on here. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I think for me, especially, and, I, and I've listened to these albums a few times, the Beatles records I've listened to literally hundreds if not thousands of times all the way through every single one over and over again to the point where now i only occasionally do because i'm i mean like ridiculous amounts of beatles listening in my younger years <laughs> okay so maybe maybe it's just that this is something a little different you know maybe you're not as used to it so many of the lyrics on a lot of those psychedelic era beatles albums were almost nonsense words just the feel now looking back like maybe sometimes they were just for fun and they didn't really mean anything yeah well that's not the case with the bgs at all let me just the last track we heard here um every christian line-hearted man so the lyrics on that there's not a ton of lyrics and they're fairly repetitive but the one verse kind of struck me it's um the lyrics go don't walk so tall before you crawl for every child is thinking of something wild which is (laughs) 
just a great, great um, kind of a thesis statement for like the 60s and that kind of countercultural uh, revolution that was taking place with the younger yep. generation at that time. I mean, <laughs> well, I'm looking at the track list and, and Cucumber Castle always jumps out at me. <laughs> What's that about? I don't, I don't know. More phallic imagery possible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wrote a song called Pickle Cabin years ago, but no one, no one cared about it. <laughs> Same topic, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's play one of the more popular songs from this, which I also really ended up loving, also from like the middle of the record here, which I think is probably the strongest portion, kind of the end of the A side and the beginning of the B side here. Um, this is uh, New York Mining Disaster 1941. Something happening to me There is something I would like you all to see It's just a photograph of someone that I knew Have you seen my wife, Mr. Jones? Yeah, so... Interesting song topics, um, very Beatlesque sound there, but some some great harmonies obviously going on with the vocals. Um, it's about kind of a fictional mine collapse or a cave-in that the Bee Gees kind of just wrote as they were sitting in like a stairwell. The power was out, and it kind of sounded like they were in a mine. And just kind of a lot of these songs, I guess, were written just kind of spur on the moment, off the cuff, you know, spontaneous manner. Which leads to some really interesting kind of random topics that they cover. These guys, I mean, everyone knows that even from the the staying alive and all that stuff that that you know came out with the disco era. These guys, their harmonies were flawless. These brothers, these brothers Gibb. Yeah, they yeah they just perfectly synced up together, and they, that's pretty they pretty much shared vocal duties all the way through this record. Um, I know the writing is credited a lot to to Barry, um, which I think is is fairly common for their records. But yeah, they play play together very well. And the lineup changed a little bit throughout the years here, but uh, the brothers are kind of the the core of the band. Yeah, nice. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed something because I I mean I really felt like like you would. I thought if you gave them a chance when we first discussed this, you were like, I don't what, and I'm like, listen to the old stuff. Just listen to the old stuff, and you did. I did, and you know, I really came to love this record. I listen to it fairly regularly now, in particular those middle tracks, like I was saying. Um, there's really no hint of disco at all, so I, I welcome that wholeheartedly. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of hints of disco, why don't we jump yeah. to my pick? And, you know, it's not really an album of theirs, and I went back and forth where I would have liked to have chosen some of their other albums that I really enjoyed. Uh, Trafalgar I really enjoyed. Uh, Two Years On I thought was a great record, and those are from uh, 71 and 72. No, 70 and 71. They broke up for a little while and then came back in 70 with Two Years On. And then their first dip into funk funky sort of dance music before it was truly the disco thing what main course was the record came out in 75 it had a couple of hits and they continued to have sporadic hits but they never became superstars until saturday night fever 
came out, the movie and the soundtrack, and they went through the freaking roof in terms of uh, popularity and album sales. Just ridiculous. Ridiculous. So Saturday Night Fever came out in 1977 as the soundtrack to the movie. It sold a gajillion. Is that what you read too? <laughs> I think that was the, the final tally, yeah. In Canada, 1 million. In France, 2.1 million. 1.5 in Germany, etc. and so on. United States, 15 million copies. Wow. Yeah, this was kind of like <laughs> of a soundtrack album, right? A double, yeah, a double soundtrack album. Well, this is kind of the shift from like t- disco being like something that happened in the in the clubs, you know, the dance clubs around in the bigger cities, to more of like a cultural societal movement. You know, it became embedded into American culture as a result of this of this record. Yeah, I mean, I, the movie was a smash hit. The record was a smash hit, and it propelled and kind of, I think, elongated the disco craze mm-hmm. uh, because it shared it with the rest of the country. I think it was just in big cities for the most part. You know, the movie is pretty hard hitting. It's not just disco fun. There's some drama to it. It's about a the nineteen year old kid who works in a paint store, and his only escape is dancing from his kind of you know mediocre life. Played by John Travolta. Hey, watch like- my hair! Watch the hair! <laughs> nice it's i mean it's a good movie but the soundtrack just went bananas and there are four sides if you listen to the the record and it's just you could play this if you wanted to have a disco party all you'd need is this soundtrack and you'd be fine it doesn't have like every disco hit of all time but it's got staying alive how deep is your love night fever more than a woman if i can't have you a fifth of beethoven manhattan skyline calypso breakdown i mean on and on. And I'm going to play How Deep Is Your Love because it's just, it's not disco. It's a nice, cool, pretty song that kind of showcases the talent of these guys despite the uh, the sort of idea that disco is vapid music and that the soundtrack is just a, a disco machine. So hold on to your hats. Now, uh, the Bee Gees wrote big, at least I'd say almost half of the songs on this soundtrack. Some of them they performed, some of them were performed by other artists, but their songwriting talent was part of what made this a hit. I guess when they were making the movie, they weren't even using the Bee Gees songs yet. They didn't have music. They were using some Boz Skaggs stuff and some other things they couldn't get the rights for, and uh, the Bee Gees came along later. And oh, wow put the stuff together. That's hard to imagine. It feels like such an integral part in hindsight. (laughs) I know. So that's the story anyway. So it worked out really well. I mean, 77 was almost 20 years from the time they formed in 1958. So these guys were well on into their career and then they found their moment, their shining moment where they were superstars. Their brother Andy had a solo career, kind of disco-y pop guy. 
Barry and the brothers wrote a lot of his songs too. They were flying high for a few years and then disco died and they just got blacklisted for the most. I mean, they were just, no one cared about the Bee Gees anymore to the point where they were writing songs for other artists because no one would buy their records. And uh, as time went on and nostalgia grew, they continued to make albums and have minor hits, but uh, those feathered haircuts... Gorgeous smiles, <laughs> neatly trimmed beards, and medallions with chest hair will be remembered forever. And uh, the joy that the, these guys brought to people close to me is also part of the reason that uh, they bring joy to me. So I've enjoyed listening to their stuff, and uh, I'm really glad that you didn't, you know, you took on the challenge and you found something you liked and, and maybe learned a thing or two or five. Yeah, I think that's a good lesson for me and uh, for everybody listening. You know, just don't always take these these groups at, at face value. There's sometimes there's uh, layers to peel back that something you can relate to down in there, on some level. Yeah, I, I would also add that this this album. There's some really good uh, instrumental tracks on the B side that um, you know work in kind of that disco funk R and B space uh, very nicely, especially. Um, there's a track by Cool and the Gang, Open Sesame, I think is pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. And the whole B-side, actually, the majority is instrumentals that are good for uh, for dancing and or just, you know, get some really good grooves going. Uh, if you need to bob your head and do some work or something, it's uh, it's actually a pretty good listen. Yeah. Yeah. It is. it is. It, it's more than what you think it is. It's Especially if you've seen the movie it puts some context on it and it really can kind of carry you away into that world. I mean, I had a, uh, uh, <laughs> I had a Saturday night fever t-shirt when I was a kid and it had John Travolta doing his dance moves yeah. on it. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I remember getting it, but I felt pretty freaking cool, <laughs> uh, wearing my John Travolta dancing on my chest. So speaking of dancing, why don't we, yeah. uh, why don't we catch a little groove with some jive talking while we're still there talking we about the Bee Gees. I love that funky little guitar in there. Always have. I mean, that's from that's originally from the 1975 uh, album Main Course, but it did make it onto the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. And I love that song. It just it's got enough funk and rock elements in it that I don't think you any disco hater can even shit on that one. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. So yeah, we listen to the Bee Gees, man. <laughs> <laughs> Live to tell the tale. <laughs> oh, there's, so, I mean, you know, there's so many records that, from the early stuff all the way through. With you know, and there are hit songs throughout. Not everyone's a winner. Some of them are just a little weird. And but yeah, I had fun. I had fun digging in, and I'm glad that you uh, you found some value there too, because I know you were doubting me. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's worth uh, giving them a lot of credit for being excellent songwriters. It wasn't something I was super aware of before heading into this. 
you know, just kind of looking through the, the full career of an artist before writing them off as being a single thing. So, yeah, yeah that was it was a fun little uh, yeah. detour from the normal listening uh, stuff we do on the show. But, yeah, glad to, glad to have done it and uh, feel like a more well, well, better-rounded person as a result. So. Yeah, um, it just, it, like you were saying earlier, it does go to show that giving things a second chance or a first chance and really going back. I mean, because you know what you know from the radio or commercials or movies or whatever about an artist. And when you listen to their whole albums, as us album nerds do, sometimes you can learn something. Sometimes you find something you love that you've never heard before, even though you think you've heard it all by the Bee Gees yeah. or, or any yeah, totally. of these well-known artists. You know, like the Rolling Stones are a good example. You think you've heard it all, you go back and listen to some of their old records and there are some gems that you just never heard before and that's uh going back to streaming services that's one of the things they can do for you so we encourage you to explore yeah well that's that's the value of uh you know the human to human recommendation yes absolutely thing that we're trying to get going here on the show i mean uh putting out some of these lesser known records is, is kind of what we find exciting and you know we're uh Actually going to be talking about two lesser known records next week on the show. Oh, yeah. So be sure to, to tune in for that. We got two uh, two records from like within the last, what, 20 years or so that didn't get huge releases and smaller labels, but we think uh, are still worth listening to and maybe digging out a copy if you can find them. Yeah, it's going to be, int- that's going to be an interesting talk because, you know, it's one of those things where the one I'm going to talk about, I was really into with my group of friends. But I don't right. think the rest of the world has a clue, so that'll be fun. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, looking forward to that one. That's going to be uh, next week on the show. In the meantime, feel free to uh, leave us a rating on iTunes. Tell us what you think of the show. We'd love your, love your five-star review, if possible. And uh, definitely hit us up on Twitter and the Symbol Music Discovery app at Album Nerds. Um, where else can they hear the show, man? Or reach out to us. We got the AlbumNerds.com the home base, the hot place where the album nerds live. They post their podcasts, they being us. We post our <laughs> podcasts, we post uh, playlists and all kinds of stuff so you can find some of this BG's goodness uh, for this time around. But check us out at albumnerds.com, album nerds with an A, and uh, tell us what you think. You can leave comments. You can uh, tell us what you're listening to there. You also can listen to us on the Google Play Music app in the podcast section, as well as Stitcher Radio, which um, is actually a pretty, it's such a dense podcast app. There's so much in there. Sometimes I get lost. Yeah, uh, find us on all those places. Tell us what you think. We love talking about albums, and we hope you like listening to them. Have a wonderful week, and we will catch you next time. See you next time. <laughs>